you have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 4. We're going to continue a series called Big Church because the church is a big deal. And uh, as you're turning there, getting ready, I'll be all throughout the book, uh, that, that chapter, sharing some verses, key verses. I'll also be on the screen if you want to follow along, and you'll be able to see it on the big screen as well. But while you're turning there, I just encourage you again to read through the book of Acts. I've just asked you to do that this month. Take a chapter, two chapters a day, jot down some notes, ask the Holy Spirit to show you, to reveal some things to you. And it'll make this series uh, mean more. It'll just add to what you're doing at home. And then also, if you would love, if you're able to join us for prayer, we've been praying every morning from 7 to 8. We'll do that for two more weeks, Monday through Friday. And uh, it's just a great time. We've had as few as 35, as many as 50 people come to pray and, and, and go after God. And I'm believing for 120, and I'm going to keep saying that till it happens. And, and I know two or three is all you need. The Bible says that there's two or three gathered in his name, that he's in the midst of them. But I read in the book of Acts, there was 120 people in the upper room, and the power of God fell. And I just want to know what it's like to have 120 people in the same little room going after God. So will you be... I know this is a selfish reason, but will you be an answer to my prayer and come one day? I mean, if everybody comes on the same day, it wouldn't be a problem. So just talk to your neighbor, pick a day, come. You don't have to ever come again, and I'll be able to say we had 120 people, and uh, God bless. But it is a great time, and we've been going after God. I, uh, the big series or the big idea or the key theme in this series is found in Matthew chapter 16. Though it's a, it's a short study on the book of Acts, and we're taking some things out of Acts, the key verse is Matthew chapter 16. And in this context, the context of this statement is Peter and John is with his disciples, uh, Jesus is with his disciples, Peter, John, James, all those guys. And he asked them, who do people say that I am? And, and they say, well, you're Elijah, you, you come back, you're a good prophet. You're... And then he said, well, who do you say that I am? And Peter responded, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. That's a very important statement, and, and I'm going to say it again. You are the Christ. Jesus, I'll tell you who I think you are. I've come to know you and see you and understand you as the Christ, the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus responded back to him and said, blessed are you, Simon, that was his name, of Jodah, for this was not revealed to you by man for what? For this statement that he just said. It wasn't revealed to you by man, but by my father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you're going to be called Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. Well, is, is he saying I'm going to build my church on Peter? No, what he's saying is I'm going to build my church on your confession that I am the Messiah, the son of the living God. On that confession, I'll build my church. I don't know what you think of when you think of the word church. Maybe you think of long-winded preacher. I know you don't think of that here, but if you went to another church, you, you might have thought of that. A lot of music, maybe you think irrelevant. Maybe, you know, I tell people I had a drug problem growing up. I was drugged to church. Every time the doors were open, I had to be there. And maybe you had a drug problem, and it's made you a little bitter about church. Or maybe, like me, I love the church. I mean, I got discipled in the church. I thank God for the churches I was involved in, for small group leaders, for the, my pastor that shared the word of God with me. I am who I am today in large part because of the church, and I'm extremely grateful. Not every, I, I tell people this all the time, too, and it's worth repeating. I held my wife's hand for the first time in the church. When the pastor said, grab the hand of the person beside you, and that was the first time I really felt the Holy Spirit because it was just like chills going all through my body. I was never 
ever the same. And that's why at Clover Hill, I will never ask you to hold the hand of the person beside you because I have a 17-year-old daughter, and there's a little boy sitting beside her that wants to hold her hand, and it ain't happening on my watch. I'm just telling you. So, so don't worry about that at Clover Hill. But there's a lot of ideas about the church and what it means. Some people think potluck dinners. Some people think flanagraphs. Some people think buildings. Some people think priest, pastor, leader. Uh, there's multiple things that come to mind when you think of church. But the word church, it had nothing to do with a building or a person. It was ecclesia. It meant a movement. So, so God was not saying, I'm going to build a building. He was saying, I'm going to build a group of people that are committed to a core promise that, that I'm the Messiah, and they're going to base the whole, the whole idea or the whole driving force behind them is that I'm the son of the living God. I'm going to build a group of people around that idea, and they're going to share about the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and it's going to be multi-generational and multicultural. It's going to touch every generation from here till I come back. And the gates of hell are not going to be over, overcome it. Nothing can stop it. Nothing can thwart it. it. The government can't shut it down. Do you know even in the countries where the government is the strictest is where the church is thriving the most? In America, the church is probably the most lethargic and weak because we have everything we need. But in nations where there's persecution and hard times and hardships, we're talking about Jesus, the church is, the movement is moving forward. It's growing. It's building. It's picking up steam. And, it, and, it, and, it, and, it, and every day, people are being added to the church. Gee, there's, there, I, it's not about liturgy. The church is not about hierarchy. It's not about buildings. It was all about, I'm going to create this movement of people. And yeah, they're going to come to a building, or they're going to go to a house, or they're going to go to a facility, or they're meet, going to meet at a Starbucks, or, or they're going to gather together and whatever, wherever they choose to gather. But that's not the important thing. They're just going to be the church, and they're going to be on mission, and they're going to be on point, and they're going to turn their world upside down for the cause of Christ. And then in Acts chapter 1, the, the, the second promise that Jesus gives is, and, and hey, stay in Jerusalem because I'm going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit, and you're going to be my witness. And they're struggling. Peter's saying, how are we going to be a part of this movement? We're kind of cowardly, and we don't know enough, and we're not smart enough. And Je I'll take care of that. I'm going to fill you with my spirit, and, and my spirit's going to give you boldness, and it's going to give you strength, and it's going to give you wisdom, and it's going to give you insight. And by my spirit, you're going to do some miraculous things, and I'm going to fill you with my spirit, and you're going to be my witness. You don't have to be the judge, the jury, the prosecutor. You don't have to be the defending attorney. All you got to do is tell what you've seen and heard. And by the spirit and the power of God, it's going it, it's to make a difference. And here we are 2,000 years later, though, and the church has lost its original intent. And the church has drifted from its initial desire and, and meaning. And I'll tell you how I know it's because we have, one reason is because we have so much church hopping going on in America today. And people hop from church to church to church. Can I just tell you that's detrimental to your spiritual life. It, the Bible says, he that is planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish. You need to get in a local body where your roots can grow deep. If I uprooted a tree that I planted, if I uprooted every two or three years, it's going to die. It's not going to make it. And, but, but here's our thinking. You know why we do that? Because the church is not a movement on a mission. A church is there to meet my needs and, and satisfy my kids and, may, and, and create programs that I can buy into and I can be a part of. And if it doesn't meet my every need and it doesn't, if it doesn't meet my standard, if he goes too long and says this too much, then I'll just go to another church because I got options and I'm a consumer and I want for me. 
That's not the intention of the church. And so the church in America is anemic and it's weak because we got these people that are just hopping on the next bus and going to the next church because some, something ain't, ain't working, something ain't happening, something ain't, something's not good. It, here, here's, here's our idea of church. I, I youth pastored before I came to Clover Hill, and, and I, had, I had planned and prepared for this big outreach we were going to do. And we were going to have it at the church, and, 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 and we, you know, back then we did the bait and switch thing, come and we'll give you pizza. And for, you know, back then, Little Caesar Pizza, everybody, every kid in the county would come. And, 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 and I'd been working on this one kingpin kid, and it, just an influencer. You know, the guy too cool for school, and, and he just walked around like he had, you know, I'm the man. I got it all together. It was probably because of hurt and insecurity on the inside. But I thought, man, if God could get a hold of them, him, that guy can change this school. With, with, with Jesus, and so I really was working on this kid hard, and I convinced him to come because I told him there were cute girls there, and there were, I wasn't lying, but I wasn't going to tell him to hold hands, so I'm all right, and, and, and he comes, and he's sitting on the back row, and he brings his posse, which is about another 30 kids, I mean, they fill up two rows, and I'm so pumped, and I'm so excited, and we do all the games, and we give out the pizza, and we're having a great time, and then I get up to, I get up to share the gospel, because I'm just knowing that pizza ain't going to change a kid's life, he's got to have Jesus, and Jesus, Holy Spirit, just get a hold of him. And I had barely started preaching or sharing or whatever, talking. And I saw one of our elders in the church walk through the back door. And he went over to that little boy, and they started, that, he wasn't a little boy, 17 years old, started talking to him. And the next thing I know, I had barely even said anything. He, the, he stands up, the kid stands up, and everybody that came with him stands up, and they walk out the door. I finished the talk, and about 20 kids get saved. And, and I run back to the elder after this. What happened? Where'd he go? You know what his response was? I'm not letting a group of kids come in here and defile the house of the Lord by wearing their baseball caps. They have no business being in this building. You, you know what he thought? He didn't understand the church was on a, in a movement, on a mission. And the church is not. This building is just a vehicle. It's just a tool where we come to get where we come to get motivated and encouraged and challenged to be part of the movement to change the world. He had some religious idea that you can't defile the temple of God and, and you got to do his, his religious ideology got it was more important to him than the souls of 17-year-old kids. It can't happen. We, we, I was at a wedding yesterday and it, you say you say it can't ha- it can happen and it happens. And if we're not careful, it'll happen to us. I was at a wedding yesterday, and I'm so, I don't know if the couple's here, James and Sarah, man, I'm so proud of them. They've come so far. God's doing some great things in their life. James has been saved about six months, gave his heart to the Lord here. I've had opera. I mean, he's not, he's saved. He's not sanctified, but he's saved. And God's doing some great things in his life. And, and at the fun- at a funeral, it, no, it's not a funeral, it's a wedding. <laughs> that is not prophetic. That was just a misstep. It, it, at the wedding. There, he, there was a rough crowd. I mean, he's been, he's been hanging out with, you know, with heathens for a long time. And that's what he knows. And they all came to the wedding. I thank God for it. And after the wedding, I walk outside, and they're all outside smoking. And, and they're, they're kind of embarrassed. Pastor, we're sorry. Do you want us to put the cigarette out? No, don't put the cigarette out. I don't care what you do. I hope you heard the message. I, I don't want a cigarette getting in the way of my opportunity to share God's grace with them. I don't want to. I don't want to let some some religious thing stand in the way, or, or tearing down a bridge, or creating a wall where I can't share the love and the grace of God with people. The early church understood that they were on a movement. And listen, you didn't have to know their songs, and you didn't have to know their Christianese. You didn't have to dress like them or act like them. 
All you had to do was Jesus is the, is the Messiah, the Son of the living God, and you were in. And if you didn't believe that, you weren't their enemy. They weren't against you. Come on. You can, you can belong before you got to believe and let us love us. We're just confident enough. We're assured enough that what's in us is going to rub off on you. What's in us, you're going to see and you're going to want. We're believing that you're eventually going to come to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the Son of the living God. And you're going to join us on this mission, this movement to reach the world for Jesus. See, the gravitational pull for the church is always to turn inward. And we can't be that. We cannot become a consumer-driven church and try to find what everybody likes and do that. If so, we cease from being a movement and we become an institution, a club where we pay our fees and expect a good product and good programs that meet our needs and help us and serve us. We got to constantly fight against and continue to be reminded that the main part of our resources and energy should not be spent or used on us, but used to reach this community, this nation, this world with the love and the grace of God to proclaim and to prove that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus said, I will build my church. I want to be a part of that kind of church. I want to be a part of a church that's more concerned about who, who's lost than who we have. It's not inward but outward. It's constantly dreaming and thinking and, and strategizing. How can we reach more people with the love of God? Where can we direct our resources that are going to have kingdom impact for his glory and for his purpose? And, 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 and so, and so, so uh, we got to be careful about this gravitational pull. And here's how one of the signs we can know if we have shifted or if we have drifted. Here's what Andy Stanley says. Let me quote it to you. And, read it to you, how the church prays indicates whether it has strayed. How the church, if you're taking notes, write that down, will you? How the church prays indicates whether it has strayed. If you're not taking notes, write that down, will you? How the church prays indicates whether it has strayed. And, and I wonder if the global church, the world church, listens to our prayers and just kind of snickers. Our prayers, man, listen to them. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not preaching at you. I'm talking to myself. It's bless me. Help me. Protect me. Provide for me. I, I want, you know, we pray. And I'm not, I'm not knocking it. Don't get me wrong. When we say, here's some of our most powerful prayers. Lord, bless this meal. As we force down a three-course meal that we have to stuff in to finish. While the majority of the world lives on one meal a day of rice and beans. We pray this bold. We think it's bold. Lord, protect me. I wonder if they're snickering and, and they're saying, man, you got safety-rated cars with seatbelt laws and clearly marked highways. We ride on rickshaws beside big old buses that people stick their head out the window. There's chaos and confusion. We Protect me. We just want to stay alive. I wonder when we pray about our finances, Lord, will you just bless me and provide for me? They just laugh. You got, you got money in your ashtray got so much money you don't know what to do with it do you know the average that three billion people it's half the world's population lives on two and a half dollars a day the average yearly income in the world is four did i say 250 in america 250 in the world the average income in the world is fourteen hundred dollars and i don't tell you this to guilt you i tell you this to, that, that we're to we we have a greater responsibility to much is given, much is required. We are rich. And, and you think you're not rich because you're comparing yourself to another rich person. 
When you look at the world, we are rich, and we're going to stand before God one day, and, and, and we're going to give an account for what we did with our blessing. We have been blessed to be a blessing, but our prayer is, God, bless me more. And again, I mean, we were in prayer this week, and one of the verses we read was the prayer of Jabez, and one of the, the key thing is, Lord, bless me and bless me indeed. And it was almost like we were embarrassed to pray it. I, I kept hearing from everybody, Lord, we want you to bless us, but we just want you to know we're so blessed. I'm not asking you not to pray for safety. I'm not asking you not to pray for your meal and for protection and provision and all that stuff. That, that's okay. I'm just saying a church that is, that is not shifted, a church that is on mission, a person that is on mission with the cause of Christ and is a part of this movement that has a specific message, they're going to have bolder prayers than bless me. They're going to have bolder prayers than protect me. They're going to have bolder prayers than do for me and, and help me and, and serve me and, 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 and reach out to me. The early church prayed bold prayers and lived bold lives. I'm afraid that our blessing has caused us to lose our edge and we've lost our boldness. And we can live without faith because we don't need faith in God. Because we have everything we need financially and monetarily and physically. And I'm calling us to say we do need Jesus and we do need more of his power. And we do need more of his grace. And we do need more of his wisdom so that we can steward the blessing that he's been so good to us with. We find that the first prayer of the church is in Acts chapter 4. I'll get there in a minute. But before I... I pray it, remember, or before I say it, remember the, the opening day of the church, 3,000 people get saved. Peter, after being filled with the Holy Spirit, stands before him, and here's his message. He says it over and over again. If you think I preach the same things over and over again, you should have been in Peter's congregation. Here's what he said. Jesus lived, Jesus died and was crucified, and you put him there. You did it, but God is good, and God is gracious. And if you'll repent, and if you'll believe, you can be in right standing with your Father. Your sins can be forgiven, and you can be made right with your Creator. That was his message. Over and over. Again, and people just kept getting saved. 3,000 the first day of the church. I mean, they're excited. There's a commotion. There's a buzz. Two days later, he's going to the temple. The temple is the epicenter of that culture. It's where, it's where the liturgy is. It's where the sacrifices are made. It's where the, the hierarchy has set up their position to, to kind of rule over the people. And they walk past a, a lame guy. The biblical word for lame means that he couldn't walk. I know, like my kids tell me I'm lame all the time. That doesn't, that's not the biblical word. He couldn't walk. So he'd been there for 40 years. That's supposed to be funny. Nobody laughed, but I thought it was funny. 40 years he'd been standing there. I'm sure Peter and John had seen him before on our trip that we just took. And, and I, I talked about it last week, but I'll say it again. Thank you so much, man. I can't. I think, I hope that I'm better for the time that I was away. And I can't say thank you enough for your investment into my life and into the life of my families. We, we are so blessed to be part of this church. But on one of our, on one of our journeys, we're in a particular city. And, and I came out of a CVS, and there was a, a guy that had an amputee leg, and he was sitting there with shaking a cup, wanting some money. And, you know, all the good emotions, bad emotions, I mean, you're just thinking, poor fella, I hope he's going to make it. How much do I give him? Then you're, on the flip side, you're saying, does he do this for a living? He could at least be a greeter at Walmart. You know, you're thinking all these things. And, and, and I'm thinking Peter and John are thinking the same thing. Man, this guy, he, he's lame, but he could be doing something. Or maybe they're thinking... I wish I had something to give. I don't know. But they passed him, and I think something stopped him. 
Now they're under the influence of the Holy Spirit. They've been filled with boldness. And they turn around to this guy and they look at him and they say, hey, man, I, ain't, I don't have any money. Silver and gold I don't have. But as such as I have, I give thee in the name of Jesus. Get up and walk. And this guy immediately, strength goes through that body, goes through those legs. He hops to his feet. He starts jumping. And yet, I, I don't know about you, but if I'm lame for 40 years, I'll guarantee he didn't say, thank you, Jesus. God, you've been so good to me. I just worship you for your, for your sacrificial gift of healing. No, I mean, he's yelling. He's, he's, he's so pumped. He's running around. He's doing things he's never done before. I mean, he is just pumped, and it's causing a commotion. And the people have seen him, and they know they know he's been there for years, and they, they know something's different. And they, they, the crowd, as Peter and John walk to the temple, the crowd just keeps swelling and swelling and swelling and swelling and swelling. And they get to the temple. It's one thing to cause commotion in the street. It's another thing to cause commotion in the temple. And Peter finds an opportune time, and they say, how, everybody's wondering, how did this happen? And Peter goes, before I tell you what happened, this is what you need to know. Jesus lived, and he died on the cross, and you put him there. But if you'll repent, if you'll turn to him, if you'll believe in him, he'll forgive you of your sins. He'll make you at peace with God. He'll reconcile you, you, you to your creator. 2,000 more people get saved right around the temple. I, I mean, it's, it's just busting with activity. There, there's so much excitement. There's so much joy. And the religious leaders go nuts, flabbergasted. Who, who are these guys? They're not schooled. They're not trained. They're not part of the priesthood. We killed that religious Jesus nut. What are they talking about, a resurrected Savior? And why do they keep telling us that we put him there? I mean, their blood, just their religious uh, self imposed uh, piousness. They, they're, just, they're just boiling over. And so they grab Peter and John, and they would have killed them on the spot. But this guy is running around who hadn't walked for 40 years, and if they do something to Peter, 2,000 people got saved. The church is 5,000 strong, not counting women and children. If they do something right now, they're going to create a riot. They're going to cause a stir. So they take them and put them in jail, and they start thinking about what are we going to do? They bring Peter and John out the next day and say, whose name are, who are you doing? How is this happening? You know what they say? I'll tell you in just a minute, but this is what you need to know. Jesus died and he was crucified on a cross. And you put him there. But if you'll repent and if you'll believe, Jesus will forgive you of your sins. And you can be reconciled to your father. None of them got saved. They just got mad. And then Peter had the audacity. Now you just don't read this. You got to think about the context. He's in this sitting with these Sanhedrin people that have ruled over uh, the Jewish culture for years. It's their history. It's their lineage. It's their, I mean, it's like, it's like the guy that said, hey, we don't wear hats in the house of God. They have been so bought into the, and they think they're God-fearing. They think they're doing the right thing. And here's what Peter says. There's no salvation in anyone else. Jesus is the only name. There's no other name under heaven by which you can be saved. These guys are gritting their teeth, man. They're thinking these, these audacious, is that a word? That ain't not a word. What is a word? Yeah, that word right there. They're prideful, arrogant. These guys are going to destroy our everything. And, 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 and again, they want to kill them. But they can't because this lame man getting in the way of everything. He's right beside them. And they'll, create a, they'll create a riot. So with further threats, they go, hey, look, listen to me. Quit talking about the name of Jesus and quit telling everybody we put him there. 
If you don't quest out, we're going to kill your family. We're, you're not going to be able to get a job in this state for the rest of your life. You're going to be on welfare begging if you don't shut up about this Jesus guy. And you know what they say? I love it. They say, hey, we got two choices. We can obey you or we can obey God. And we've decided to obey God. And we cannot quit talking about what we've seen or heard. What we've seen or heard. They, 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 they go back to the church. Am I boring you? This is fun. The Bible is not boring. This is good stuff. Hey, they go back to the church, and they're, 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 they're praying for them. Oh, Lord, be with Peter and John. We, this is only the third day of the church. Don't let them die yet, God. We got a lot of work to do, and they're praying. And here they come, and they tell them of what happens, and, and here's what they do. I don't want to read that. I want to read this. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Here is the first recorded prayer in the early church, Acts chapter 4. Sovereign Lord. That just means, God, you're in control, and we'll see it. You made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. They're just declaring. They're just, they're just proclaiming, God, you're over it all. You're above it all. Everything we are is because of you. And then they continue with their prayer. And they say, indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed. You put him here. They did what, you, what your power and your will had decided beforehand should happen. God, this didn't catch you off guard. You were in charge of this. You know what was going on at the fullness of time. You sent your son so we could be forgiven of our sins and we could be made right with God. Lord, this is your deal. This is, this is your doing. And here's their prayer. Now, Lord, first request. You know, I'm thinking, bless us, Lord. Protect us, God. We've been so faithful to you. Don't let them mean men get to us, Jesus. Lord, take away those hard words that we heard so they don't change us and, and they don't cause us to, to go into some kind of break. Lord, we, we just need, oh, God, help us. Oh, God, bless us. Sir. Oh, Jesus. No, consider their threats. What threats? You're going to die. I'm going to kill your family. You're never going to be able to work again. You're going to be crucified. You're going to be, you know, I'm, we're going to do to you more than what we did to Jesus. Consider their threats and enable your servant. Hey, pray for blessing. Pray for provision. Pray for protection. But pray something bolder. Pray something bigger. Because you're part of a movement that has a message, and the gates of hell are not going to prevail against it. Let your servant speak your word with great boldness. I think, I'm thinking, Peter, John, that's what got you in trouble. Boldness, lighten up, quit being so dogmatic, quit being so passionate about this thing. John, preach about love. Peter, talk about marriage. Don't, don't pray for greater boldness. That was the first prayer of the church. I, I, I want to I contextualize boldness for us today in the most Christian nation in the world, in a, in a place where we will never lose, at the time, we won't lose our job, we won't lose our life. For being bold. But I want to, but we're not bold. I'm not bold. And the reality is the majority of us in here are not bold. But we we are part of a movement and we're seeing that that's our mission and that's our purpose. So God give me greater boldness. So let me give you some baby steps to boldness. Let me give myself some baby steps to boldness. Here's the first one. Boldness is deciding to say something when it's easier to say nothing. Boldness is deciding to say something when it's easier to say nothing. My neighbor just lost her daddy. Uh, 
this past weekend, there were two motorcycle accidents that took the lives of, of guys. But he was in Pennsylvania, and, and uh, 64 years old, uh, a bus hit him and killed him instantly. And so I go over to the house to just see how they're doing. And, and uh, Matt comes to the door. That's the husband. She's not there. She's still making, I don't know what she's doing. But I say, man, I'm so sorry about your loss. And, man, will you let Jess know that we're, that we're thinking about y'all. And uh, if you need anything, let us know. And I just want you to know we're praying for you. And I walked away, and, and as I walked away, I, that's not boldness. See, boldness is saying, deciding to say something when it's easier to say nothing. Boldness would have been, and we're just taking baby steps. Boldness would have been, hey, Matt, can I pray with you right now? Lord, I just pray in Jesus' name that you'd, that you'd be with this family during this struggle and during this challenge. Could they experience your grace and your love, God? Could they come to know your peace in a way that passes their, all their understanding? Lord, in the midst of this tragedy, will they somehow see, see Jesus in this? And will you help them and lead them and guide them? Boldness is deciding to say something when it's easier to say nothing. When it's easier to just sit back. Maybe you've got a loved one that, that, that you know doesn't know Jesus. Maybe your dad's not saved. And, and, and you've been thinking, well, I'll just let my life shine before him. Or, or I'll just pray that somebody else will cross his path and share the love of God with him. Boldness is deciding to say something when it's easier to say nothing. Hey, Dad, I just wanted to call you and let you know that, that uh, I don't know if you know this, but I accepted Jesus a while back, and he's really been changing my life, and my marriage is better, and I just think I'm a, he's just helping me be a better father. He's changed everything, Dad, and he's made the biggest difference in my life. But the greatest thing is I'm right with God, and my sins are forgiven. I don't even know how to explain this, Dad, but I love you, and I want you to experience the same thing that I'm experiencing and I want you to know that Jesus died for you. And if you'll, just, if, you'll just, if you'll just believe in him, if you'll just trust in him, he'll forgive you and you can be made right with God. And together we can go on a journey uh, in these lat- trying to serve Jesus. I don't know what boldness is deciding to say something. When it's easier to say nothing, I'm just asking you to take baby steps. Maybe you're responding to a question. How, how are you making it through this? Why are you so happy? What's the secret to your relationship with your wife? You and your kids seem so close. Why don't you party and sleep around like everybody else? Because the secret, I, I don't mean to be religious or I, I, don't, I don't mean to any, be anything, but it's Jesus. I'm trying to make his values my priority. I've, I've entered into a relationship with Christ and he's made all the difference in my life. Boldness is just deciding to say something when it would be easier to say nothing. Boldness is saying, hey, man, I got a problem. I'm struggling with pornography. I need help. My marriage, I know I look good on the outside, but my marriage is on the rocks, bro. If, you, if something doesn't change, boldness is saying, hey, I've messed my finances up. I need help. Boldness is deciding to say something when it's easier to say nothing. Here's another thing about boldness. It'll come up. Boldness is taking advantage of the opportunities that present themselves. And you know what happens when you start wanting to walk in boldness? And I got a bracelet. If you want to wear it on your way out, pick it up. Or if you want to put it somewhere, it just says bold. So on your way out, grab a bracelet. Just a reminder to be bold. But when you start looking for opportunities, you know what happens? You start getting opportunities. I remember I was looking for a Jeep Wrangler. And I thought I wanted a Jeep Wrangler. And, you know, I hadn't seen many of them. You know what happens when you start looking? They're everywhere. You know why? Because you see what you're looking for. When you start looking for opportunities, they, they begin to, they begin to, 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 uh, to come. And, 
And, and, and then you got to take advantage of those. I remember this guy came to me, not long, it's been 15 years now. He came to me and said, uh, my marriage is, if, if, if something doesn't change, he was an unbeliever, he was outside, outside, he didn't have any kind of relationship with God. Somebody referred him to me from somewhere else. And he said, he said, pastor, if, if, if something doesn't change, my, my life's over. My marriage is ruined. I made some bad decisions. My kids, I've lost everything. He said, can you help my marriage? And I said, bro, I can't help your marriage because your marriage isn't the problem. You're the problem. And until you get right with Jesus, nothing's going to work out. And the next six months, we went on a journey of what it means to live for Jesus. That was 15 years ago. He's still in our church today. He's still on the journey. He's still loving Jesus. He's still married to the woman of his dreams. His, all three of his kids are in church. He's loving Jesus. And I've never heard one. He's never said one time, Stan, I can't, I can't believe you were so bold with me. I hate it that you were so forthright with me and told me I was the problem. You know what all he says? Pastor, I, I owe you. We'll go out to lunch this week, and he'll say it again. And it's not me. It's the grace of God. But he'll say, Pastor, I'm so grateful that you had the courage and you had the, the boldness to speak into my life and point out an area that, that, that was wrong. And by the grace of God, I've been changed and I'm continue to be in change. See, boldness is just taking advantage of an opportunity that presents themselves. They said, here's their prayer. They said, oh, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. I want to be a part of a movement that's making a difference. Here's their second request. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. We think miracles are designed for the church. They happen in the church. If you're sick, you got to come to church. If you need healing, you need to call on the priest. You need to call on the pastor so he can lay hands on you. The purpose of miracles is not necessarily to see the sick person or the lame person healed, though that is a very good day for them. And in the atonement, it declares that by his stripes we are healed. The main purpose of healing, though, is miracles is to get people's attention and say there is a God and he is good. Tell me more about this Savior. You know what they were praying? God, let us be bold. And when we step out in boldness, when we say something, when it would be easier to say nothing, when we take advantage of opportunities that are presented before us, will you, by your power, extend your strong hand, and will you do something in the life of the person that I'm talking to, that their eyes awaken, their hearts are laid bare, and they declare, there is a God. Tell me more. Tell me more. God, will, will you stretch? We've just been threatened with our life. We've just been told if we ever talk about this Savior, we're, but we don't care about their threats. We just want more of your boldness. We want more of your power. And when we do it, God, will you do the miraculous so people will be turned to you and lives will be changed for your glory and for your honor. Boldness is taking advantage of opportunities situations. And all through the book of Acts, we, we see this movement that grows and strengthens and turns their world upside down. I want to be a part of that movement. Amen, everybody. Amen. Bow your heads and your hearts with me. Maybe you're here today and you've never said yes to Jesus. Can I be bold with you? Jesus died and he was crucified and your sin put him there my sin put Jesus on the cross and that sin had me disconnected from God but, but God 
God sent his son and Jesus came and he died. He, he paid our penalty. He who knew no sin became sin for us so that in him I might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You might be here today and somebody has told you, if you want to get your sin out of your life, you got to work harder or do better. It's false. You can't be good enough. Your righteousness is as filthy rags. You've got to believe in Jesus. You've got to declare that he's the Christ, the son of the living God. You've got to repent, change your thinking, and turn to him. And you say, Pastor, I need to do that. I want to do that. Will you pray for me? I'd love to. This is what I would pray. If you're sitting there, I would say, Lord, I believe. I believe you're God's son. I believe you died on a cross. I realize I put you there. And I accept the payment for my sin. And I thank you that you promised to forgive me when I confess you. Lord, will you come into my life? Will you change me? Will you help me? Will you lead me? This is what I would pray. I would say, Lord, I give you my life today. I give you my life. If you pray that prayer on your way out, will you stop by the information table? The Bible says if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you will be saved. You need to tell somebody. Tell somebody at that table. Say, hey, I just want you to know I gave my heart to Jesus today. They're going to, maybe they'll hug you. Maybe they'll shake your hand. They'll, but they will give you a Bible if you need it, a CD if you do it. They'll give you some next steps in your journey. Because they, today's not the end. It's the beginning of a new walk with God. Lord, I pray for those that have committed their lives to Christ. And I don't know what they're feeling, but... We don't go by feelings. We go by faith. And your word says that if we confess you, Lord, that you're going to forgive us. Lord, your word says that if we'll invite you, you'll come in. Lord, we've answered the knock of God on our hearts, and we've invited Jesus to be our Lord and Savior. And we thank you that you've answered it. And now, Lord, seal that in their spirit, and may, may, may they continue to grow and serve and live to honor you. In Jesus' name. Let me tell you the end of the story. Why don't you stand with me, will you? They pray. They asked for this boldness. They asked for signs and wonders. And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. How many want to be shaken today? You know what, you know what that means? That means change. It means I don't want to just be a hearer of the word. I want to be a doer of the word. I, I don't. I, now's not a good time to leave because this is really the best part of the service. Because now we're inviting the Holy Spirit in to change us and transform us. You've heard God's word and you've listened to some worship. But we're, now we're declaring, Holy Spirit, we need you. And they prayed out. And the meeting where they they were shaken to the core. And they were all filled with, will you say this with me? With the what? The Holy Spirit. Say it again, will you? The Holy Spirit. You don't need to be afraid of the Holy Spirit. You need to embrace the Holy Spirit. I don't know what you've been taught or told. But the Holy Spirit is the answer to every one of your prayers. He will comfort you and teach you and challenge you and empower you and embolden you for the glory of God. As they prayed, the place was shaken. God responded to their prayer. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Lord, will you do it? Will you shake us today, God? Will you shake us again? Will you lift your voice with mine? Will you shout unto God with a voice of triumph today? Holy Spirit, we need you. We acknowledge that you're here, sovereign God. And we pray that you'll fill us, that you'll change us, that you'll embolden us you'll empower us, God, and let signs and wonders and miracles follow the teaching and the proclamation of your word, God, we pray. Fill us with your boldness, we ask. Lord, may we take
opportunities. May we speak up when it's easier to just be quiet, God. May we be part of this movement which the gates of hell cannot prevail against in the wonderful